Thank you very much for the wonderful anthem choir. Um, Reverend Kim is currently writing two chapters of a book. He's reflecting a lot on, uh, on the church, and so to give him uh, some time to focus on that, uh, uh, I'm here um, in the pulpit. So we'll pray for Reverend Kim for a good completion of that book. When something is new, there's usually passion and excitement. When I first started dating Deb, our relationship was passionate and exciting. I mean, I would pick her up late from Robart's library at 1 a.m. after she was done studying. Or I'd buy food and take it to the library just to see her. I was a motivated man. (laughs) Still motivated. (laughs) When many of you first came to faith in a real way, I think there was passion and excitement. The tears that you cried when experiencing God were real. I mean, there was passion and excitement. But as time goes on, that initial passion often wanes. The reality of everyday life often seeps in, and that excitement that vision and sense of possibilities seems to fade. In our own church and uh, many other uh, Korean immigrant churches, the first generation of immigrants built the church. They built it with excitement and passion. They poured in their time, their energy, prayer, and money into building up the church. That founding generation, they're now, many of them are in their 70s and 80s. They've slowed down now in their twilight years. I mean, recently, just a few weeks ago, I mean, we celebrated the life of Myung's father, Mr. Lee. And the passage at his funeral lies immediately after today's passage reads like this. As for me, the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. These final words of St. Paul represented Mr. Lee's life very well. And I think they also represent the lives of the first generation quite well. They have fought the good fight. They have finished the race. And they have kept the faith. They're currently still the majority of our Korean-speaking ministry, But I think in about five to ten years and beyond, many of them will have passed. And the KSM, very likely, will be getting much smaller. I mean, especially since immigration from Korea has slowed to a crawl. And we don't expect it to increase. So in other words, the future of St. Timothy and churches like us depend on the direction and growth of the English-speaking ministry. 
But when I think about the context of us here in the ESM, it's so much different from that of the first generation. I mean, for them, the church was the central place in the lives of many first-generation members. It was their primary community. But that's no longer really the case with us. I mean, you have many demands of everyday life, with work, family, and other commitments. You have full lives outside of the church. And even if the church is an important part of your life, I mean, it is just one thing among other important things. I mean, for the first generation, I think life was more simple in many ways. Work hard, make money, make sure the kids are fed, right? right? And come to church. Survival for the second generation and beyond in this world is more complex. Church and faith often seems to have little to offer to help us survive and thrive in the real world. And so often we turn to many other voices that offer wisdom and advice. And so it's a real question as to whether English-speaking ministries that began in Korean churches will continue. I mean, even now in the GTA, there are perhaps less than 10 self-sustaining English-speaking ministries and churches founded by Korean immigrants. Will we just see these ministries die? This was the question and situation in today's passage. Second Timothy is a letter from St. Paul to his protege, Timothy, near the end of his life. I mean, St. Paul, along with Peter, was the leading figure among the first generation of Christians. I mean, he built churches and communities with passion, sweat, and tears. They experienced the radical newness and passion of faith. Timothy represented the second generation of Christians. He had come fervently into faith from Paul's leadership and worked under him for many years. By the end of Paul's life, Christian faith was losing its appeal. You know, the first generation believed, actually, that Jesus would come back again during their lifetime. And so they were willing to endure suffering and hardship because it was all worth it. But time went on, and Jesus didn't return. And life became hard. They had to live and survive. They had to make money and, and uh, carry on. And so they began to question, why should we suffer so much and be so different from those around us? And so this is what St. Paul says today. People will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. People left the faith and turned to voices that would make survival in their world easier. The second generation of Christians lost that vision of the new life that the first generation had. And Timothy was getting 
discouraged by the situation. I mean, he saw that even at the end of St. Paul's ministry, after all those like passionate years, he ended up in prison, only to die soon. So he was losing his passion. He was questioning whether all the hardship and suffering of being a follower of Christ was worth it. But St. Paul encourages Timothy to press on. He encourages Tim, he urges Timothy to, in, in today's passage, in various places, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, to proclaim the message and be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, and to endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. In other words, don't give up. Carry on. Keep moving forward. I believe that the ministry of this church is worth continuing. I mean, this church is and has been such a great blessing for many of us, especially under Reverend Kim's tireless leadership for the last 30 years almost. And whether you've been here for a long time or just recently, I think this is a community worth keeping, continuing, and carrying on. I mean, I want this to be community to be a place where we can learn what it is to be human beings in this world as God intended. I mean, I think that this world can really distort life, right? And what it means to be human. So I want this to be a place where we learn to live with other human beings, those who are so different from us, to learn the skills of living in relationship with one another. I mean, a place where we collide as we learn more about each other, including our deep and ugly flaws, but where forgiveness is practiced and flourishes. I mean, I want this to be a place of healing where we can learn more about our own brokenness and find grace. I want this to be a place where our children and our youth grow up knowing that what it is to be loved and affirmed for who they are. A place from which they can go out into the world as confident and assured people ready to make a difference. I want our community to be a church that stands together with those who suffer and as those who feel the suffering of others. I believe that all of these things are what God has called each of us to do as individuals and together as a church. I mean, what is the church but a community of people who recognize their own brokenness and have committed to live life in the way that God has intended. The church is meant to be a place of beauty in the messiness of the real world. And I believe we can carry this mission and ministry on. You know, even though our lives are busy and demanding, I don't think that's what causes us to lose our passion and vision for life. 
I think it's our fear. Our fear of suffering. I mean, the reason we work so hard and worry about our children so much, I think, is because we want to avoid suffering for ourselves and for our children. I think for the second generation, I think the underlying current in our lives has been the fear of going through the same suffering that our parents did. And our experiences in this competitive and difficult world often confirms these fears. But when this fear dominates our lives, it kills our vision for life. And our drive to avoid suffering comes at a cost. I mean, a German theologian, Dorothy Sola, says it well. We can avoid much suffering and the bitterness of suffering, but only for a price that is too high. Seizing to love. Seizing to love. I mean, our whole lives have been centered around and structured around avoiding the suffering. But have we paid the price of ceasing to love. When there's no love, there's no passion. When there's no love, there's no vision. Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage him. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you. What is the gift in you that needs to be rekindled? What vision for life do you have that needs to be rekindled? The church has been gifted with the blessing of God's word in the scriptures. And St. Paul is reminding Timothy of this in today's passage. You know, study of the scriptures is at the forefront of our church's mission because we believe in its power to reveal who we are and that it speaks truth to our lives. It has the power to shape our vision for life based on the truth of God's will. And that's what it means to be a prophetic community to see clearly in our own context the truth of our existence and the purpose for our lives here and now. I, mean, I believe so much in this and the power of Scripture. My own return to faith and coming to grips with who I really am has taken place and continues to through the study of Scriptures. And that's why so much of our ministry is not glamorous, but takes place in small, consistent gatherings of people to critically study the Bible and what it says to us about ourselves and life. You know, critical, reflective, life-changing study of Scripture is one of the greatest legacies of Reverend Kim. And this is something that I also hope to continue carrying on and build on for a new generation of people. We need prophetic truth and vision to overcome our fear and apathy. 
My vision for this church is that we can be strong and confident people in the power of God's love. People who have a vision for life. People who are passionate about life. Through critical study of scriptures, through sharing our lives, and through standing with those who suffer. I believe that we can carry on the ministry that God has entrusted all of us with. There is a world around us crying for the ministry that we have to offer. Immigrants, the poor, those who suffer and are marginalized. Let us be confident in God's calling for us. Be confident in God's calling for your life. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you. St. Paul wrote this too to Timothy in the same letter. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. Our fight is not to overcome suffering in the way that the first generation did. Our fight is against the fear of suffering. Our fight is against living with a spirit of cowardice that stems from fear. God has given us a spirit of power and love. So our fight is to live lives of vision, passion, and purpose with this power. Our fight is to rekindle the gift that God has given within us. Let us build our lives with this spirit that God has given to us, with love and vision driving us. And together, let us carry on the ministry that has been given to us. I am confident that God will carry us through. Let us sing.